Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out. Horizonstructures.com. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, I am Ted Summers from a very windy Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's spring in Oklahoma, so uh, that's what uh, happens here. It rains, and it's fucking windy all the time. It makes tracking a pain in the ass, uh, but it's really good for proximity alerts. Uh, Eric, what do you got going on, man? Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing that I am not in my bedroom. I am at the fun house in the kitchen with my Barney, signed autographed Barney. Don Knotts picture in the back there. I love that thing. Um, yeah, we are recording this at noon Eastern. Um, we'll get into why here in a minute. But um, yeah, so we are uh, today. I started training up some dogs. I have I have a narc dog that I've been doing for a couple of weeks. Got her imprinted. Moved on to hides today. I have a a dog. I'm doing my Green Plus system on. Uh, dual purpose <clears throat> drug dog and another one doing uh, explosives. They started odor today. Um, so rolling right along, still got the three springers. I haven't even really put them out there yet. Just letting them run around being wild psychos and all that. Uh, what's going on in Tulsa? Uh, finishing up handler school. He finishes Friday. He could have certified last week, but I'm taking him down on Friday to uh, just South of Oklahoma city. We're going to certify with some of the dudes from the OBN and then we're going to just turn it into a training day. So I'm going to go down there all day and take a couple of green dogs, take Kevlar and Deontay down and get them certified. And uh, yeah, we were doing building searches today. Like right before I came over here, I've got a handler up from a county sheriff's office to South of Oklahoma City running one running his green plus C dog and Kevlar, obviously. And we're doing send ins and then doing remote recalls and, you know, from inside the building, have the decoys running around. So uh, it's pretty, yeah, we, it rained like all day yesterday, so we didn't really get to do shit. So I, but I tracked all like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and just track, 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 track. And the dogs were just smoked. So, uh, I'm kind of glad to not be doing that today, but doing a bunch of article recovery stuff too with them. So it's been good. It'll be good to uh, get back to just 
normal pet stuff. We got a shit ton of pets in stock in 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 the inventory now, and I've got I'm going to hire another trainer, I think. So uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So who do we got going tonight or this today? I guess. Yeah. Today. Well, before we get into the guests, we got to take a second to uh, give a shout out and a rest in peace to our buddy Static. Yeah. Um, Static was Alicia's dog. Uh, how old was Static? Uh, ten or eleven. Yeah. yeah. He's passed yesterday, the day before we're recording this. <clears throat> he owned by Alicia, who's the um, producer, one of the owners of the podcast. So we just wanted to take a second and tell her we're sorry to hear this, that you had to deal with this. And um, it's been a pretty shitty year dog-wise for Alicia. So, yeah. Um, oh, but anyways, so I'm super excited about our guest. Um, we've been trying to get him and th this topic on for a long time and being the time difference and everything like that, it's not easy. That's why we're recording at noon. Um, so our guest uh, today is the um, co-founder and director at ATS, which is anti-poaching tracking specialist. Um, it's a uh, group of 11 off-leash canines. Uh, the ATS is regarded as having created one of the best operating Malinois canine units in Southern Africa, an award-winning rhino protection, anti-poaching, and illegal wildlife, anti-trafficking, wildlife conservation security unit in Zimbabwe's Savi Valley Conservancy. The dogs will reg regularly track up to 25 kilometers, and our, our people bitch about testing at, you know, 150 <laughs> yards. Um, and on uh, poacher detections, we'll go further than this. Total area of protection is 250,000 acres. I mean, in Southern Africa, um, their, their efforts have uh, resulted in a combined over 189 years in prison for rhino poachers in the 10 years they've been in operation. And considering that nine years is the max penalty that someone can get for that, that's, that's a pretty good track record. 29 rhino poachers apprehended in the last four years. Um, we're going to get in and talk to... Uh, our guest about uh, this seems this is like a a uh, family affair for him. Um, his family deeply rooted into this type of work. Um, we'll talk about uh, Canine Justice, who's a world class lead. Canine Justice was born and received one year of training in the UK before coming to Zimbabwe at a year old. We'll talk about his uh, his accomplishments. Um, so our guest today joining us is Bryce Clements. Bryce, how are you, buddy? Hi, Rick. Yeah, really good, thanks. And thanks, thanks to you and Ted for having me on. A re real privilege to chat to you guys today. Yeah, we, uh, we talked to him. It's amazing that we we're able to get a hold of him. Uh, he's on Wi-Fi in the deepest, darkest reaches of Southern Africa, as he, he pointed out to us. So um, you guys that are struggling with Wi-Fi and you know, Detroit, Michigan can stop bitching. <laughs> <laughs> the deepest, you know, darkest part can... of the United States is Detroit. Yeah, so. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Bryce, um, let's talk about your history, uh, where you grew up, um, and then how you got into this. It sounds to me like your father was a big part of this and his, his history. Um, if we can get into that, that'd be awesome. Fantastic, Eric. Yes. Um, so born and bred in Zimbabwe, um, in the northwestern region in, in a place called Kariba. That's where I was born. Um, conservation, my dad brought the conservation element into our family. He was born in 
actually in Swaziland, but grew up and spent all his formative years in Botswana, in the Okavango Delta in, in Maun. Um, so he grew up with the Bushmen, um, you know, with the, with the Maasai people, um, correction, with the, with the sand people in, in, in Maun. He grew up with them. He learned all his bushcraft principles there, uh, you know, from, from a really young age. He then moved to Rhodesia in those days and, and joined the military um, and then went straight in. And then, of course, the, the Rhodesian Bush War. And he was a, a very prominent figure, ended up uh, being chief instructor of the Sulu Scouts. Um, and he really brought in, uh, you know, took the tracking um, bushcraft and tracking to another level in the scouts. They were SAS trained guys um, who then who then took the tracking to to another level and, and the bushcraft element. And then obviously after a lengthy war, uh, we being born in Kariba, um, we then after the war, my dad's passion was always wildlife, and he went into kids education. He went into teaching kids doing kids groups, um, bringing them out to the bush and, and doing, you know, just educating them on, on wildlife, on, on the bush and, and putting a whole lot of valuable principles into kids. That was his passion, using the environment to try and give, give youngsters some focus and direction in their lives and, and particularly putting the, 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 you know, the conservation um, aspect into them. I grew up under that banner um, and that's where my whole love and passion for the bush was sparked. And then as I got into my sort of teen years, I started anti-poaching, anti-snaring at a basic level in, in our hometown. Um, and just kind of advanced from there. My first job was uh, I was diving, I was a commercial diver on, on some fish farms. And then an opportunity came up for, for training in Zimbabwe when rhino poaching 2009 10 rhino poaching was sort of peaking. My old man was approached to, to do some special training for Zim Parks, who are a paramilitary organization in, in the five intensive protection zones around Zimbabwe where they, where they have rhino. And that was a golden opportunity for me to join him um, and be able to learn from him, you know, learn all the paramilitary and military skills, all the bushcraft, counterinsurgency, from a, from a Salu Scouts veteran. Um, and so Parks opened up the door. He went in, we, I went in with him and we started training on all the RTZs, you know, um, close quarter battle drills, bushcraft, counterinsurgency uh, type tactics, just basically how to, how, to, how to combat these rhino poachers because they are, they basically come into the area like an insurgent and then, um, you know, kill the rhino and go. So my, I, I got to spend two and a half years training with my old man as his assistant uh, on these courses back to back. That's where I got my grounding. Um, that's where it all started for me. Um, I, was then, I was then asked to, to come and assist in the Savi Valley Conservancy when the training was coming to an end. Um, the Conservancy was... was taking strain they were they were having a lot of rhino poaching at the time at uh, 2012 i came in april 2012 two days before uh, after two rhino had just been killed and 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 I, I i came into the conservancy conducted an appraisal and then they asked me to stay long term so 
that's the basic background, um, Eric, of, of in, in a nutshell of, of, of where I've come from. So I want to back up. Um, your dad's name is Peter, right? Peter Clements. Yes, that's correct. So talk to folks here in the States, especially um, you kind of brushed past it, you know, his accomplishments, but about the Rhodesian special units that he was involved in, how he learned to do the counterinsurgency stuff and, and how special that those, those folks over there are. Yeah. So, so obviously, um, you know, a lot of the guys that were recruited into the, the Rhodesian forces, they grew up on farms and, and like he grew up in Maun in Botswana and learned from the Bushmen, learned how to track, learned all the principles. And then being SAS trained, when he, when he moved into the military, the war got going and, and naturally he excelled in the field of tracking um, and, and, then, and then basically Put all put all his skill sets in, into into that side of things. Um, it was an incredible incredibly intensive uh, war because they spent sometimes sixteen weeks at a time out in the field. Um, the Scots were 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 renowned for their their intelligence, their long term deployments, um, their reconnaissance work, and their track to contact. Um, that was really their strength, and. Uh, I mean, they were operating in areas that full of wildlife, full of dangerous game, lots of challenges, um, like I say, long-term deployments. Um, and they, they had to improvise, you know, adapt and overcome in those situations. And, and my old man, uh, he, he, was, he, he was promoted up the ranks quite quickly with that skill set. Um, and, then, and then he ended up building the camp that, that ended up actually turning over most of the Salute Scouts regulars, a camp called Wafa Wafa based in Lake, on Lake Kariba. Um, and that was a camp designed for training, um, you know, to specifically tracking, the tracking wing, um, tracking and bushcraft, and then, of course, the, 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 the counterinsurgency aspects, um, all, all, all based around recon, recon work, and and tracking and they were they were phenomenal they were renowned for tracking sometimes you know days and days of tracking long distance tracking and and they had a, a an incredible reputation um just their tenacity their ability to survive to 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 work through really really difficult circumstances and persevere to 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 get results they were renowned for bringing in some of the some of the greatest results um, through that through that phase. So, yeah, he was he was a really prominent figure um, in 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 the military, and but it was a sensitive issue because when when Rhodesia went over to Zimbabwe, um, there was a lot of bitterness between you know between the two between the two sides. But my old man was someone who let that go, put it behind him. Um, had had no racial attachment afterwards. He, he had no racial issue, and then he went into into kids' education, you know, and, and that side of things. And 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 then to be accepted into Zim Parks later to train with all that military background was quite a thing. Um, he was vetted, and and he was he was accepted um, to to train because of his specific skill sets. 
when you rhino poaching syndicates are are specialized they 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 they're criminals that that have got very good bushcraft they they will study the area they will study the the habits and and, and how you operate and then they will come in like an insurgent into the area anti-tracking in deep into an area they'll lie low and they will will track a rhino and then shoot it take the horn and go they're very smart and like i say they they get very good at their bushcraft and so this is this is it was exactly in line with my my, my dad's skill sets um and so he imparted that on to me and and my brother shannon and uh and 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 we've been able to 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 enhance with modern technology and with the canines now he's 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 remarked he said what an incredible thing you know to to be able to add the canines in the way we have and what an incredible difference it makes especially in a park where where poachers can, you know, get in and, and get to the boundary quickly. You don't have the, although it's a huge area, you know, a, a poaching syndicate leaving the area in, in a couple of hours, they're out. So you need to be able to get on track and move quickly and close the gap. And, and that's where the canines have been phenomenal. Um, yeah, so, so putting it all together, you know the bushcraft side his experience he was able to to guide us along with the the zim parks ranges that he's trained give us all the experience he has um you know so that we can stay safe we're dealing with criminals that prepared to shoot you um we've been shot at we've had serious contacts um it's normally normally always an armed conflict you know at the end the end game and so we've really needed those that experience and those skill sets to to, to work with and we train to to an elite level um, applying all those principles and and then yeah the, the goal is to pick up on on sport a lot of our our work is detection I'd say probably 80 percent 90 percent is detection with the canines and then all coupled in like I said intelligence the canines etc and then when we pick up we track track to contact and and obviously the aim is to make an arrest but often these guys will shoot back and it turns into a shootout um and fortunately mm -hmm. so far we've we haven't taken any losses or casualties um so far so good and, and i'll attribute that to to the training that that we've got from all that so back when he was um leading the lead instructor and he opened that he got that training camp what was the full name of that and what does that mean so that people kind of get an idea of the mentality? So the name of that camp was Wafa Wafa and uh, Wasara Wasara. That was the name. The camp was Wafa Wafa. That means if you die, you die. If you stay, you stay. You know, if you remain, you remain. Basically, it was really, really staunch. We're talking, we're talking you know, the best of the best grade soldiers um really really tough guys and uh yeah if they picked up on on track they were they were determined i mean the biggest the biggest principle that he's taught us is is what he what he refers to as aggressive determination when you get on track you don't give up until full conclusion you keep going doesn't matter what the circumstances you're going through you keep pushing to to the end till till the contact or the conclusion 
And and that's what made them so special is they were really tough and 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 hardened. And that's that's what, what we've had to had to um take on to be able to be effective in this rhino war. So you mentioned your brother's name earlier. What, when did he come on and what did he bring to the mix? What did he bring to you, to you guys? So he was also obviously out of the same mold. He then moved over to the States. Um, and I think it was 2007 around there. And he, he was working with the, with the Scott Donnellan track, uh, tracking school. And, and that, that school, that tracking school was, was engaged with, with a number of U.S. military units, um, you know, counter IED units, uh, MARSOC, a number of units that, that they were working with, basically giving tracking training. And he was, he was assisting there for some time, um, instructing and assisting with his tracking skills. He then felt, you know, the need. We were, we were on the coalface here on the battlefront with the rhino and feeding back to him. And he just felt he needed to get back home and come and help us and come and engage and, 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 and support us. So he came out um, a little later on. And, uh, and yeah, he's been with us since and, and basically um, brought, the, brought the skill sets, extra, extra principles he learned that side. Um, but pretty much, yeah, the same, the same strategy. It's, it's, it's to know the enemy or the, or the, the, the insurgent, know the enemy, know the terrain and, and, and know the asset. So it's basically to understand the rhino and its behavior, understand the terrain and own the terrain and, and, and the criminal, you know, that's coming in. And, and if you can understand those um, and you can then, you can then train your men to a standard where you can pick up on it, track, follow through all the way to, to make an arrest or, or to make contact. Uh, it sounds, sounds straightforward, but it's an incredibly, it takes a lot of horns to get on, 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 the, on behind a red dot site on a, on a rapid rifle and track these guys down, knowing that somebody's going to die or get shot at or whatever it's it, it takes quite a bit and and obviously building the team it takes time to to really build the confidence in the team and 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 you know to build that real team camaraderie um which we've managed to do it's it's really phenomenal yeah it sounds it sounds tough man like really tough um we're gonna take our first break here in a minute but before we do um i want to uh ask so you know your your dad has all this experience you've you've been all over the place um your your brother was in the u.s for a while it would be easy for you guys to just leave africa if you wanted to right and go do some things in some other places but it sounds to me like that's just not a thing you're just not gonna do that you're african born and raised down there um has there was there ever a consideration of taking the easier route and maybe going and doing something else? You know, yeah, interesting question, Eric. There were times it was really tough, yeah, um, you know, economically, etc. And and that's actually why my brother left at first because it was just it was just hard to make a living. It was just hard to find work, and and uh, I, I got into the training at that point and and uh, had that opportunity with my old man, but 
um, yeah, once Africa's in your blood, um, it's really, really hard to get it out. It's just hard to find that same meaning. And, you know, I've been out there to different, different places and overseas and, 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 and seen some amazing places in the world. But, you know, for us, the rhino, the rhino issue is, is not only about the rhino, it's all of conservation, but the rhino being specifically under threat. Um, our, our goal and our mission here is to, is to really protect these rhinos so they can breed up and then we can put them into other areas. We're doing it for the country and for the whole world at large, actually. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really worthy cause. And I just, yeah, I love Africa. I love living amongst wildlife. Um, you know, I, I, can't, I can't think of going to anything that's sort of less, less adrenaline, less octane, if you want to put it that way. And <laughs> yeah, I just, I really love it. I really love, you know, working with the men, with the dogs, with the wildlife. Um, yeah, no, no, no plans to move on anywhere. <laughs> It's funny you say that uh, Africa in your blood. We we have Ted and I have a friend. She is um, from here. She spends so much time in Africa, helping in these types of things that um, it's it's. She comes back here just for a minute, back over, back over, back. And I don't think she'll ever do anything else. And other people I've met that aren't from Africa that go to spend time. It says it just calls them and draws them back over. And um, I I I. I Neither Ted or I have ever been there, but we talk a lot about getting over there at some point and meeting people and learning and seeing just that, just everything. Um, that's is such a massive country, you know, with such massive Absolutely. areas. It's crazy. Yep. You would, you would love it, Archie. Um, you guys would love it. I mean, and, and, and you're welcome to come at some point. It would be good to, have you guys come and see what we do and, and come and yeah, get some of your skills and experience. But yeah, I'm sure it would, it would, uh, you would get bitten by the bug. If you did one trip out here, you'd be, you'd be hooked for sure. <laughs> Man, I'm not sure I want to get bit by anything in Africa, except a dog. Like I'm, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like I, we, before the pot, before we started, I was like, ah, oh, they're out there protecting shit that wants to fucking kill them too. I'm like, ah, damn. So you have to deal with the poachers and the damn rhinos. So I'm, we have <laughs> buffaloes here, which we protect them. And I've gotten close to them. I'm like, ah, that's a, that's a good for me. I'm, I'm out, but <laughs> I'm, I may have to come visit. I'm pretty damn good with a rifle and a red dot, but I'm, I'm not bad. Not bad. So. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get into it's working dog radio. So we're going to get into the dog side of everything, training and, and the work itself. Uh, maybe even talk about a couple specific dogs. And um, yeah, so uh, this is going to be great, man. Stick around, guys. Uh, don't go anywhere. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits to the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have 
in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level, better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they consider to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones so it comes in a spray it comes in an ointment it comes in a dressing it's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing you really only have to use it like once a day so there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle since it's temperature stable you don't got to worry about it getting hot getting cold or anything like that so put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet vetcare.us on the internet quick derm by vetcare on the inner on instagram and on facebook and then hit them up with the discount code one zero wdr for 10 percent off your first order so my entire time that i was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement the cars at my department in the departments that i trained all had american aluminum accessory kennels in the cars different cars man dodge chargers all ford models some chevys uh suvs cars everything we loved American Aluminum Accessories. Um, it's a great product, a great company. They've been serving uh, canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's the letter Z, EZRiderOnline.com. They got testimonials. They got videos on how to. They got a list of everything they have. Uh, just today, we made a post on the Working Dog Radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys. Easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American aluminum accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, Training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. 
This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FL FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police K9 Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, we're back. Uh, Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Uh, I'm in Tulsa. Eric's in Ohio, and our guest Bryce is in the deepest, darkest, darkest Africa. <laughs> if you missed the first half of it, he's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so before we were talking to Bryce about um, you know coming up and being born um, in Africa, uh, South Africa, Southern Africa, and um, how we get into the whole process of getting away from Africa and then coming back and then the whole wildlife and protecting the wildlife and what, uh, what the process is for that. So speaking of the process, let's talk a little bit about the unit, um, that you guys have at ATS. So you, you mentioned a little bit beforehand, like building a team. And as you were describing it, you're like, it's kind of hard knowing that because I mean, Eric's a cop, you know, I train police officers. There is definitely a chance that every time our guys go to work, um, that they're going to get into some kind of altercation or they're going to get into a shooting. That doesn't happen very often. Um, but for you guys, like pretty much every time you make contact, like they're shooting <laughs> there, there is a definite, like it's almost a hundred percent. You are going to be shot at. And I was thinking about, it was like, yeah, that's a little bit different. Uh, like it's a different little mentality knowing that as soon as you make contact, like you're going to have to return fire for the most part because they're not going to run or if they do they're going to make sure that they get away and they're going to do it by killing people um so you know talk a little bit about how the process started with this anti-poaching and then we'll get into some of the dogs and why we have them yeah so fantastic um ted yeah we we obviously started out initially without the dogs just man tracking um training ranges to be able to detect so basically living around the, the the asset living around rhino monitoring rhino but but obviously having the paramilitary aspect so that they can defend themselves and protect the rhino um and as this war this rhino war has evolved these these poachers have more and more they've taken on on the anti-tracking side of things so using heavy calibers silences sometimes ak's with silences and they they're learning to anti-track so they would instead of walking single file they split up into into you know where they would be in an extended line where you can only track one at a time as well as foot coverings they will put multiple layers of socks and 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 stuff over their shoes so that they break up the you know you, you won't pick up a track on the ground so a lot of anti-tracking which just makes it difficult to man track so traditionally we've we've had to go the hard way of of man tracking um and then we were always keen on the canine aspect and my brother actually got a got a, a rhodesian ridgeback um pup and he started with that started doing some some basic training getting it to track and and we started actually tracking rhino with this with this dog um in a in a monitoring role and proof of concept and and that kind of thing and then we we eventually took this dog off lead um, because of our terrain. Our terrain is very, you know, very thick and very, very difficult to work on a lead. And then um, later there was a there was an opportunity to get some 
some mallees out, which we jumped to. Um, and, and an organization called Dogs for Wildlife, they, they, a guy called Daryl Pleasance, he, he interfaced and we got the first two dogs out to the conservancy. And um, we, they came actually Dutch mallees and they came in as just with basic training, sort of, they'd had a year's sort of GP training. So they had all the basics. We then did all the tracking training with them and basically refined them and polished them up to be able to work within our, our structure and, and, and according to what we need on the ground. Based on our man tracking formations and principles, we basically integrated the dog into, into that. And it, it would take us, it takes us at least eight months, eight months to a year to train a dog. So a dog's got its, its one year of basic training and then it takes us a further eight months to a year to get that dog to a basic operational standard. Um, and yeah, and then it, then it grew. We then got a second set of dogs, um, a set of, set of uh, Belgian Mallies, um, and, and we found them to be, be better than the Dutch Mallies, um, just better endurance. The brown color seemed to, to work better for us with, with heat, they're less susceptible to heat, a little bit more driven, I think, or maybe that would be, be debatable, but, but we just found the, the Belgian Mallies better. We got a, a male and female, Justice and Shatani. Um, and then we, we were able to, to breed uh, those two and we got seven pups from the first litter. Um, and then we, we trained those all the way up in-house from the beginning. Um, we also got a, a, um, a German Shepherd out from Italy um, an it Italian border tracking line, German Shepherd, very nice, not a, not a standard German Shepherd, quite small, built, built a little bit like a Mali um, and, you know, quite high octane and, and she's also quite good. So it's, yeah, basically we've, we've now first litter, born and bred on the ground, um, obviously a lengthy process, but we've, we've really got them dialed in now, they're operational now. Um, and starting to get good results. We, we do a lot of our, our, our learning work on, on meat poachers, guys that are coming in to lay snares um, in areas. We detect those guys, we track them down. It's lower key than, than the rhino poaching side of things. Um, but that, that, that's basically our training ground is, is on the meat poaching side of things. Um, that's pretty constant. We, every couple of times a week, there's incursions and we're tracking meat poachers um, to, to conclusion one way or another. We end up going outside with parks and the police, do a lot of door knocking, nailing guys with evidence out there and obviously inside as well. If they're still in, we'll, we'll make arrests inside. Um, and then of course the rhino poaching side is a lot more, a lot more dangerous. But both sides, I mean, the meat poaching guys will, they use machetes, you know, spears, bows and arrows, very dangerous, a lot of night work. And then the rhino poachers obviously armed and, and they'll shoot at you. So very, very dangerous. We, we had a dog stabbed in the neck. He took a six inch blade into the neck once, survived it. Um, yeah, it's really, really dangerous work and we've got to really be careful. So <clears throat> when, you, when you have a, a new asset like dogs that come in, um, Two things happen. One, you have to have the idea, convince people, and the other one is you have to prove the concept. So, 
who brought who brought up the idea of dogs? Where did it come from? Did you guys see it somewhere? Did you hear? Did you just learn some things? And how how hard of a sell was it in the beginning? So it started. It it started basically. Um, you know, we started hearing more and more that that guys were were using dogs um, in the in the scouts um, in in the in the in the in the Salu scouts days in the war. They tried to use dogs in packs from helicopters and that kind of thing, and the dogs got shot. Um, they never really used the concept of. Of of working with a with with a with a Mali in a team that would be slower moving but more methodical, um, that kind of thing. They never really took it to to its full potential. So, yeah, uh, with the anti poaching side of things, different you know guys in different areas in Southern Africa started to use dogs. Um, some with with a little bit of success, a lot with with very little success because of it's obviously something that you got to put full effort into it and you know it's got to be a hundred percent or nothing so we then we just we, we 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 heard you know guys were trying and we thought you know we just we'd pick up on it we also you know looked at, at history the way dogs were used in in the vietnam war um and 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 use of dogs in 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 various other areas like the states you know guys tracking with dogs you know border patrol all that kind of thing we thought there would be a good opportunity. We thought we could make it work with a dog. Um, I did. I did a lot of falconry. Um, I used to fly hawks and, and work pointers and stuff in my in my teenage years. So um, we yeah kind of had that basic understanding of how to train a dog um, and work a dog and that sort of thing and, and a hawk. So when 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 we brought in in the in the ridgeback that my brother got. We, we put our heads together and we just with the with the knowledge of of the of the paramilitary side we just we engineered basically trained the dog to suit our needs on the ground um so yeah that's basically how it worked and then we just adapted with it and, and we just we felt that you know if, if guys can train a sheep dog or any other dog to work and herd cattle and do different things work off offline and and a dog is capable of 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 being incredibly disciplined, surely we can get a dog to work within our formation and be able to adjust with terrain and and move at the pace we're moving at um, and work with us, but be able to provide that that element of tracking, which would give us that edge with the so basically it but also a, a lot of what contributed was the was the evolution of, of rhino poaching. The more these guys were going into anti-tracking, we started to think more and more, you know, how do we the, the challenge was always the tracking. And with man tracking, you're always behind, you're a long way behind, you've got to put stop groups in, you've got to try and uh, and and you often fail. And and we were just trying to find ways to track track faster, close the gap and make contact. Um, and that's that's basically having done it. We were then, you know, amazed at how effective and 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 how we started to get results. And then, yeah, we've we've been in touch with various other guys in Southern Africa that operate as well. And as soon as we started getting results, we just started to realize that this is this is key. This is for us now. We've realized that the canine aspect. We've nailed a number of rhino poaching gangs that without the canine, we would have still been at it with these gangs. And for instance, man tracking, you could have a several attempts at a gang and fail. 
you could lose up to 15, 20 rhino attempting to get a gang. And yet with the canines, within one or two attempts, we've managed to, to, to succeed. Um, so proofing the concept then, what was the first thing that happened that, that first success that the unit had with dogs when everybody's like, yeah, I'm bought in, this is worth it. And now I know what was that first case where you had success? So the first case was, it was phenomenal. We did all that training, um, you know, basically because we had tracked to contact just man tracking, we knew what it was going to be like. So we, we knew how we needed to train the dogs, you know, for that end game, specifically for, you know, when you get there and when you make contact, what that was going to look like and what it needed to, how it needed to play out. So after all that lengthy training, and preparedness when the opportunity finally came it was a rhino poaching gang that had killed a cow calf they had killed a few rhino in an area prior and we were really we were after them we were detecting every day it took three months of solid detection morning and evening morning and evening different strategies i'm talking big detection lines and then finally we 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 got these guys actually the one of our teams with a canine with this dog justice our top dog they actually saw these guys, but they never saw the firearm. They, they weren't certain whether they were, they were rhino poachers or meat poachers. Saw them, got a glimpse. They hadn't seen our guys. Our guys lay low, went around the back, put the dog. Obviously, the dog was detecting. The dog picked up scent, got onto track. Uh, it, was, it was a short track, the first one, probably two kilometers. And they realized these guys were anti-tracking. When our guys made contact it was actually an incredible case it was a small team it was just the, the main handler and his assistant who was unarmed the handler was armed with a semi-automatic rifle assistant unarmed when they made contact these guys heard them coming up as they as they as they made contact and they started running and our guys hadn't seen a rifle so they couldn't shoot they put warning shots in the air released the dog the dog ran the rangers chased when our lead ranger a guy called Akmos. When he when he got to um, when he got to 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 these guys, the the gunner had turned on him with a with a heavy caliber, picked him up and 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 was yeah was literally about to pull the trigger. He got uh, our, our ranger got off the first couple of shots, wounded this guy, went down. The dog then turned. He had gone to the three. There were four in this gang. He had gone to the three, and he was basically looking for for a guy to take down. When, when the handler engaged this guy with a rifle, he, the dog realized just instinctively that this was the guy he was after, turned and nailed him, and then managed to actually separate him from this heavy caliber rifle, dragged him oh, wow. 15 meters, um, you know, lacerated him, really, really messed up his arm and, and incredible. I mean, this guy was wounded, he was dangerous. He could have, he could have shot the ranger. The dog went straight in, grabbed him, bit him, and dragged him, separated him, and that allowed Akmos to 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 move on to him and 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 actually um, make the arrest. Phenomenal case, hardcore rhino poacher. He's still in. He's been in hospital. Um, this was this was late. This was December 2020. He's still in hospital, but he's just he's now kind of healed from his leg, his bullet wounds, but he's on trial now and hopefully he's gonna get a, a, a nine year sentence. 
So incredible first case, hardcore gang. They would have kept killing Rhino and, and, and the guys got him. And, and the, the words of, of our lead ranger, uh, Handler, when I, when I went and, and met up with him, he said to me, he said, sir, this, the dog is equivalent to four men. He said, mm. I was myself and, and my assistant who was unarmed. He said, this dog, it was like I had four extra rangers with me. He said he was just praising the dog that the dog, you know, had also helped, you know, potentially save his life because this guy lying there wounded in the rocks could have could have shot him as well. Man, so you mentioned you guys have had some 25 kilometer tracks here in the United States. I mean, we don't do some of the search and rescue stuff. They'll do uh fairly long tracks um where they'll have very long searches in a confined area because they're having to you know go through lots and lots and lots and lots of rubble and or lots of debris yeah. or whatever else um i'm sitting here when i was listening to it and eric and i were texting back and forth and like the selection process for those dogs has to be pretty unique because the endurance that's required to do that i mean you guys are fucking tracking for days like and here you know most of our tracks I think the D, yeah the doj released something here that like most tracks are in the united states are just don't just under like five sixths of a mile or something which is nothing for you guys so what like what does that look like in terms of managing the dog for that amount of time i mean because you've got malinois and honestly we picked them here in the united states because they have just a shit ton of drive and they will work 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 the problem is they're they end up working themselves into the ground. So a lot of the times what we're, I teach handlers a lot is like, look, you've got to manage his activity level because if not, he ain't going to work all fucking day, but you guys are out for days at a time. So talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, we, we, it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance. I mean, we, we've got to be very careful not to overwork them. Um, we train, you know, a lot of the time they road running every day, they, they do road runs, you know, if, if they are detecting, then they won't won't road run. But if they're not detecting, they're training, and not not very very long uh, runs. You know, sort of eight kilometer, six eight k's. But what we what we do is we train and keep the dog really fit. Detection, we we sort of averaging eight ten kilometer detection lines. But the dog, we try and keep the dog fit enough, and we do quite a bit of infinity tracking. Not all the time, but but you know, sort of, we'll do a long track every second second week if they're not getting it out there, if they're not getting the real thing. Um, but they, we we try and keep them really fit, and it's it's obviously those longer tracks are when you pick up on something like a rhino poaching gang, and then you just keep going all the way through and and. Like I said, we've had a couple of 17s. The longest we've had is 25 Ks on a, on a track to contact. Incredible. Yeah. But it's, it is weather determined. I mean, if it's, an, if it's a really hot day, you're not going to get that kind of distance. Um, you know, conditions have to be reasonable. Um, the day Justice got those guys, um, a couple of them ran away. We put him back on and he did a 25, 25 Ks. We made contact again. That was kind of a... His, his limit we would normally change a dog just just watch the dog they're not all going to do that we found he's pretty special but we've got a, a female that's done a couple of 15 to 17 k tracks but we will we'll manage it on the track and and if we've got 
you know, we, we like to keep the second dog there, sometimes pull in more, and we'll just watch that dog. And, you know, if, if we get a 12K, that's good, but there's times we've got to push it. And so I think it's just down to the amount of, you know, we're detecting every day so they're well conditioned. And in the training phase in the first year, we do we we start them short, so sort of a couple of hundred meters, then a K, then 1500, and we build up until we're doing every single day, we're doing five, six kilometers, then we extend that to eight, nine, and then we get to that point where when that dog can do 10, 12 Ks, we pick a day with good weather and then we'll push him right out to 15, that sort of thing. So we're not doing that all the time, but once that dog's conditioned and his mind is strong, that's what we've learned with the Mallies is if you get a good dog and you, and you, and you keep him training and, and most of the time when you get onto stuff, whatever the range is, if you can be winning and you develop that dog's mental strength, um, the dog believes it's going to win. And, and the dog knows by that scent, you know, if it's fresh and it's well conditioned, he can tell that, you know, he, he, he perseveres, he's going to get the win. So we have had some times when they can't make it, when, when we've had to change the dog. But like I say, we, I mean, we have no problem getting 12 to 15. And beyond that is a long track, even according to, to the standards we're working with here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all down to conditioning and building that dog's mental strength. Well, and Bryce, you got, you got to, um, take a little credit for yourself as in you got to walk that far too, or run yeah, a dude. lot of that and boots <laughs> and everything else you got to do. Um, so when you're, when you're selecting rangers to be the dog handlers and do the tracking, um, it, what, what does that, what are you looking for in guys when you're, when you're getting those guys? So you, you, you're looking for, um, you're looking for guys that have got the physical attributes. They got to be really fit. I mean, the guys have to be really fit. And, and, and again, it's like with a, with a dog. I mean, we, we set high standards. We realize that with the canines, it's an all or nothing in this field. You know, it's like a, a top-notch rugby team. If you're going to win games, you've got to be 80% fit. You can't be peaking all the time, but you've got to be fit. Um, and, and so you can't be lazy. So we, we, it's, it's that conditioning. The guys working with the dogs all the time, they get really, really fit with the dogs as well. And it's incredible how fit that dog can get. I mean, even the bushmeat poachers, the bushmeat poachers are operating with dogs that are, you know, we call them licorice, all sorts. They're all kinds of breeds mixed. And, uh, uh, and, and these dogs, these dogs are, are going out hunting, night hunting, and in the day with these guys. And they'll often do a 20-kilometer loop. And they obviously get tired, but they get conditioned to what they do. So as we train and we push, like I say, it's a process. You don't, if you, if you push it too quick, you'll break that dog's interest. You know, you'll, you'll, the dog will just think, well, this is not fun. So it's really incremental. You keep, as you keep building that dog's fitness um, through the tracking and we do all our tracking is through drives. So it all ends with, it all ends with the bulk of it ends with a, with a bite, um, we do a lot of you know bite drive work, um, and and so they're really driven. But as I say, it's incremental, and and as as that dog's getting fit, those ranges are getting fit, 
until you've, you've really got a dog that's strong. We've also found that when that canine starts to get bites, actual real life bites, and he, he, it, it sounds a bit, bit rough, but when he tastes a little bit of blood and, and has the odd fight and, and really gets into, into it with the team, um, that dog changes. That dog now becomes so much more determined. He wants the win. We don't let them hunt wildlife at all. So, you know, in his mind, he's, he's hunting poachers down and catching poachers. And obviously we don't abuse these guys or anything. We, we stick to proper rules, but the dog, you know, often you've got to release the dog and he gets a bite. And we find that that, that really makes, you know, changes his mind, that with the fitness. Um, just incremental steps. And it takes, like I said, eight months to a year. And then, and then that dog will continue to get stronger and stronger um you know with conditioning i've got uh one of the dogs in my handle school right now I had another one get ready to start the same way and we imprint tracking a little differently um you know we do the hydration method and everything else and the dogs are kind of like eh, whatever and the moment that it becomes a prey exercise that all of a sudden all the wheels click and they then all of a sudden right. everything speeds up and and i've i've found that if I start that way with dogs, then tracking, getting them to track becomes a, it becomes very difficult. So I, I get them to, I teach them the odor I want to find first. And then once they figure it out, they're like, oh, really? This is how this works. And now every time we get them out to right. track and, and it's like that, it's like they've got turbo mode on because they, they are ready to rock and roll. But before they're kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll track. I'll do this, I guess. But now, I mean, you get two bites and they're, they're on fire. So. <laughs> absolutely it's funny absolutely. you say about looking for fit guys because i don't know i've i don't know how many pictures or videos i've seen of uh of rangers in africa i ain't seen a fat one yet right yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm sure there's some but i ain't seen one so um well, i had well, a question I, for you yeah. um when you know when i was uh, when i was in law enforcement for all the years i was in um, Intel gathering is a big thing for like gang units and, and stuff like that. Um, so in the city that I work in, uh, we know all of them, right? We have, we have, um, run into them or we've got Intel on them. Do to these, to these poaching gangs, do you know them? I mean, have you, do their names sound familiar when you guys catch up to them? Is it that level of Intel or is it just so vast that it's hard to do that? No, absolutely, um, Eric. We Intel is a massive part of what we do, um, coupled with you know working working the teams on the ground. But we we know these guys. We study them. We learn. We share Intel in the country. Um, you know, it's 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 a number of syndicates that that are into the poaching, um, and and we 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 work on targeted Intel. So we we work on infiltration. Uh, we find, you know, find their weaknesses and that kind of thing. And yeah, we, we, we get to know everything about them, who they are, where they're going, what they're up to, um, you know, how they're operating, what's their MO, that sort of thing. So we, we then, you know, we like to get that intel and work on that so that we know where to detect, um, you know, and, and that kind of thing and what to expect. And that's kind of, that's how we work. If, if we don't have current intel, then we just working areas in a, um, according to what we deem areas of vulnerability and, and that kind of thing. But um, 
if we can have the intel um, and be able to intercept, that's fantastic. And that's how we've done it so far is, is largely uh, in the relationship between the Int and the canine teams on the ground, vital, absolutely. How, how easy is it for people to, um, for gangs like that to travel into Zimbabwe from other places? So from South Africa, really easy. The borders are fairly porous. They can, they can get through and, and come down. Um, but in Zim, it's mainly Zimbabweans, sometimes Zambians involved um, because they've got links to, to the buyers, you know, and they, they route through the Congo um, and into Czech Republic and up to China and Vietnam, that sort of thing. Um, but there is, there is more act, uh, quite a lot of activity through South Africa as well and Maputo into Mozambique. Um, but we're finding, you know, normally guys are, you know, there might be a, a, a sponsor based in South Africa that commissions a team and, you know, in Zimbabwe. Um, also, what we found is, is a lot of Zimbabweans that have, because of economic difficulties, they've gone to South Africa to look for work. They get involved in the wrong, the wrong you know, they get involved in crime syndicates there, and then they get you know, basically commissioned to, to, to find Rhino Horn back home. That sort of thing happens as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite amazing how it works. But most of the gangs are, you know, made up of, of mainly of Zimbabweans, yeah. That's sad. Um, so, real quick before we take our second break, um, all your dogs are uh, off-leash, Correct. And they're tracking yes. and their work. Do you, is it one dog Absolutely. out? Is that the rule one dog out with the team or is there times where you have maybe a couple? Classic, uh, you know, normally a team is comprised of, of six rangers and two dogs and, uh, and they'll, they'll go out and they'll split two, three guys tracking and detecting with one dog, the others heading the other way with the other dog and they'll cover, you know, a, a, a large a large tracking line and then if if either one picks up you would pull that that other team in and and keep that dog as fresh as you can for for changeover and then the teams would beef up so you would put you know you would you would beef up the the, the numbers tracking if it's an armed issue um so that you've got you know enough firepower on the flanks and that kind of thing and uh yeah and that's that's how we operate in mobile units we, we operate in, in mobile units like that. We find that most effective because then we can, we can satellite around the conservancy in a very unpredictable way. They don't know where we are. We're changing it up all the time. We're detecting different areas all the time, mixing it up all the time. And, and then we, we pick up on, on these guys. So that's, that's the general meat poaching. And like I say, the rhino poaching side is more, more tied in with the intel. Um, is more in specific, gang specific. We know where, where each gang, where, where a gang would operate, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, small units, mobile units that are backed up, that are self-sufficient with a vehicle. They've got a police officer, Zim National Parks, so that they can go out. We're fully indemnified by the law here in Zimbabwe, very well supported by the government. Um, they, they back us all the way, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, that's 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 typically how we operate. That's really cool. That's really neat. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. We get back. We're going to get into 
so a little bit of differences of the poachers and the dangers they um, individually, um, you know, put towards the rangers and the people that are working there and then kind of how uh, going forward in the future and how people can help you. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training the online course. But here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should. Right here online, uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go. Get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The doctor guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900 S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen Manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. Rayallen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. 
super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law, the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so if you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 
1-800-522-5737. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. We are back. Ted and I are sitting here with our buddy Bryce Clements um, from ATS K9 uh, out in Zimbabwe um, going after uh, all these rhino poachers and meat poachers. Now, you mentioned that. You've mentioned the meat poachers a few times during the things. Talk about for us here sitting there, people in the States that don't really, they just think poachers, you know. They're just thinking it's the people out there taking um, maybe just rhino horns and things like that. Talk about the the types, because like in your media guide, you talk about rhino poachers and, and bushmeat poachers. Each one of them operate obviously differently, and they each um, have their own unique set of problems that they can pro, uh, send your way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so it, it, it is, it's, it's remarkable. The meat poaching side of it, um, they're more um, guys that are, so there's two different types of meat poaching. The one aspect is the one aspect is subsistence guys that are, are looking to survive. That's, that's fairly limited. The bulk of it always turns into more commercialized where, they, where they're killing sort of uh, plains game species, eland, uh, wildebeest, impala, that sort of thing. And they, 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 they're sort of killing it in big number and selling it. It turns into a trade. So there's, there's a subsistence side, the guy that's just trying to survive, they're there. Um, and then there's, then, there's this, then there's this meat trade, which is, which is the more prevalent and those are the those are fairly big syndicates you get six eight guys in a gang that can kill um you know 10 12 animals in a night and and they keep at it through the the different phases um yeah in the dark phase they use torches at night they operate at night in the moon they use dogs that sort of thing and then the rhino poaching aspect these are these are guys that are are you know more sophisticated criminals they they they're not uh, poor people or anything like that they're guys that are just they, they're greedy for money and they are they will come up they've often got military training um, ex-military that sort of thing they're aggressive they're prepared to shoot you completely different level of criminal um, and and yeah very dangerous so organized crime they they sponsored from higher up the chain, sort of a chain effect coming down from the sponsor down to the middleman and so the top sponsor on the on the demand side, and then and then down to a middleman in country with with a with a syndicate on the ground, normally normally comprised of a gunner and and a guy that knows the area and uh, and a guy that'll carry three, four guys in a in a rhino poaching gang, sometimes two, two firearms, often a like an AK for self-defense and a heavy caliber bolt action rifle for, for killing the rhino. Um, those guys are organized, they're smart, they spend a lot of time planning. Um, they they're really they're really smart and 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 the war is evolving. That's the incredible thing, is, is it's a it's a tug of war. You know, the rhino in the middle, we're pulling on one end, they're pulling on the other. And it's always an, a wit and art wit. They, they're constantly looking at how they can overcome us. And we're obviously looking at how we can be a few steps ahead and, and looking at predicting how it's, how it's going to evolve. So, yeah, really, really uh, 
in the meatpoaching side, the syndicates that are that are into this this sort of commercial meat poaching, they're using machetes, spears, and stuff, um, bows and arrows. They also prepared to knife you. There's been a number of rangers killed, not in our unit, but in previous in other 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 teams. You know, taken taken arrows, taken machetes, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, really dangerous stuff. So the meat poachers, what what primarily animals are they? I know they're putting traps out and they're probably getting whatever they can, but what what is the main meat that they're after? So it's so they do a lot of snaring. They'll come in and set snare lines. A snare is just a just a noose trap, a, you know, normally heavy wire or cable, and they'll set snare lines. Sometimes you know a, a handful, sometimes hundreds of them, and they they're normally going for eland, buffalo. Um, just sort of game meat species, sort of plains game, zebra, kudu. But the problem with that stuff is being indiscriminate. You know, it, mm-hmm. rhino get caught, lions get caught, leopard, wild dogs, you know, other endangered species get caught and they often lose a limb or, or and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really bad. A lot of, sometimes these guys will set a snare line and not return to it and you come and find a bunch of rotting animals in them. Um, so it's really wasteful. And it causes a lot of a, a lot of harm. And then, of course, the the guys using torches at night and machetes—they've developed a new style that's spreading across Africa. And that is, they're using bright spotlights. The introduction of these LED lights—you um, know—they they economical on batteries, but powerful. And they come in in the dark phase, and they run around and they they dazzle wildlife. They shine it in their eyes. It blinds them game doesn't know what to do where to move but they're dazzled and they run in with machetes cut the Achilles tendons on these animals just basically hack them down uh, with machetes and spears and then and then they they then they cut it up and they carry it out um, and they'll run around a couple of hours in the night get a get a bag of, of kills and go and that's 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 where it where, where it's now a trade and where they're getting a lot and they're doing a lot of damage. And this is where with the canines, again, you could never counter that really at night um, without the canines other than ambushing, you know, um, on, on roots and that sort of thing. But with the canines, we can actually pick them up at night. We can track them. We can detect um, discreetly, pick them up, track them and, and contact in there in the night. So very dangerous, but but we do it um, and we, we have a lot of success like that as well. So that's, that's a massive you know, aspect with the canines. That's insane um, to hear that. We do that. Well, we don't, but we have that stuff here in the United States. We just call it spotlighting. It's illegal. <laughs> we, wow. we, yeah, you don't want to get caught doing that here. Um, so do you guys use any of the stuff do you, like, do you have technology that you can use too? Do you guys have drones or anything else, um, to help or is it just you dudes and the dogs? At this stage, pretty much, you know, relying on the canines and the teams, we've got some day drones. We, we really keen to get our hands on a, on a thermal drone, a good, like, uh, we've been looking at, at, at a unit called the Matrice 300. Um, something that's portable, but that's got the thermal aspect would be a massive help to us on the ground. Um, being able to, to you know, get get up over over the team and be able to to warn them ahead 
Um, we've had, like I say, we've, we've had success with drones. Um, we've just got two new Mavic, Mavic 3s, but daytime. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we've had good success with them in the day overhead. The canines, like I say, the, the, we haven't yet you know, been able to come up with the funding for, for a thermal unit that's capable. I know there's one or two smaller units available today, but they don't have the flight time. You know, 15, 20 minutes is not enough. Um, you know, you're just getting into it and then you've got to go change the battery. The, the, the base standard would be something like a Matrice 300, which has got about 50 minutes of operation. That would be substantial um, and would be a significant, uh, you know, force multiplier tool to add to, to our unit. Um, we do have a little bit of night vision equipment. Um, we do have some night vision that, that, that uh, we've been um, uh, given to, to work with and use, and, and that's, that's really helpful on the ground. Um, but we, we pretty much, when the guys get on track, they're tracking in the dark um, with tack lights, um, and, and they, they're tracking, they use a red, the red LED on the tack light to confirm on the spore, and they're tracking pretty much in the dark all the way to contact, um, which is, yeah, that's, it takes some, some doing. Yeah, Ted and I both have drones, and I can tell you batteries are life, and it's the biggest pain yeah. in the ass. Yes. <laughs> the whole thing with the batteries and everything. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Everybody, you know, we talked about um, how, like, the, the government of Zimbabwe is very supportive and things like that. But ATS relies on donor support. Obviously, we're talking about, you know, feeding the dogs, vet care, the uh, cost of the handlers, the people that work with you, all your gear, vehicles, um, and then obviously the technology that you could use, the, that, the different drones and maybe some other night vision and things that go along with that. So how do, how do you people get you money? Because we have a lot of people that listen to this show from this country and other countries, and they're always looking for places to donate. And um, so how can people help you, Bryce? So Eric, yeah, that's that's fantastic. We've we've got a 501c3. We've got a um, a friend in the states who set up a 501c3 that she supports us with. So we have that set up that that we we can share contacts with you, um, so that anyone that that's keen to donate can donate through that 501c3, and then it would come directly to us, and we would we would use it you know directly on the ground and can account back directly to to those that that would contribute and show them exactly where it's gone uh, we also have a paypal account um, that we could share with you um, yeah. for those that would want to donate that way um, but yeah every, every bit counts um, donor funding is is one of the biggest challenges um, that we faced um, we've done 10 years now today is actually our 10th 10 year anniversary today um, that we've been operating here in the conservancy and, and apart from the Rhino War itself, which is an incredibly demanding fight, you know, for the country, for the world, um, the, it's a massive struggle to get funding and support. And I think it's just because, you know, it's, it's hard for folks to connect with us on the ground. And, and that's why we've recently put a lot more focus on the social media side 
we've got Lauren who's been in touch with you, who, who runs our social media. And, and that's why we're making these efforts to connect with, with folks like yourselves to try and put the word out there that, you know, we, we're a, we're a frontline um, elite unit that's making a difference for the world. And we need every bit of support we can get on the ground. Um, every, every bit, every bit counts. Um, as you say, you know, you need money to, to do this stuff. Logistics is a big one. Vehicles, um, uh, you know, wages to keep the guys going. Um, that's key. We'd like to, we'd like to grow this unit um, as well because we've, we've perfected the, um, the model. And if we, can, if we can grow it, it just becomes more sustainable. As we have a growing rhino population, we need to grow the effort. So, um, but as it stands, we, we're looking for further support. Um, and, and just as you said, logistics, uh, you know, fees, fees to cover men, um, veterinary and, and, and food, that sort of thing. Those are the main running needs all the time. Uh, a, a thermal drone, like we've been saying, would be a massive help. We've been looking, we've been, we've been putting the word out everywhere, trying as much as we can to get one. Um, now that would be massive. So what, um, what is, if you know, if not, we're going to put everything in the show notes so people can look at it. But uh, do you, what is the PayPal account that people can directly send money to and the 501c3? Yeah, so I'll I'll need to I'll need to give that to you. I'll need to I don't have it on with me, oh, okay. you know, on hand, but I can I can get it to you to put up to 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 connect you. No problem at all. Um, through Lauren, who runs our, our media and, and the admin site, um, I can do that. Um, but yeah, also also just to let you know that you know we we also you know are happy to to give folks feedback. We, we're doing a monthly report on impact report on the work that we're doing on the ground. So folks that would, would get involved and support us, they would get, they would get constant feedback from the impact we're having and that kind of thing. And we would even offer, um, you know, special trips. We'd, we'd have to plan that where, where if folks, you know, can support us significantly, we'd be, we'd be willing to get them out here to, to come and see what we're actually doing and, and, and get a feel for, what we're doing out here, that's often the best way to, to understand the situation. So, so that, 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 is, that is always a possibility and, and we're open to that. Um, welcome, welcome folks to, to come and visit. Yeah, Lauren's a good, good person. We know her very well. Yeah. Um, she's been our connection here with you and, and, and her, her, help with dogs and things that she's been doing. She's, she's the one I was saying earlier, that's got, got Africa in her blood now. And, you know, and she's always going to be doing what she does to help you guys. Um, what about Absolutely. social media? Can people follow you on Instagram and things? Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I can send you that as well. Um, they can follow us. Um, we mainly on Instagram um, and uh, you know, folks can follow on, on Instagram uh, those are the two main through our, our monthly impact reports and Instagram. Um, we're pushing hard to, to, you know, create that awareness. Yeah. I just found it. Uh, it's on Instagram. It's at ATS underscore anti-poaching. That's ATS underscore anti-poaching. Also, I see here, buddy, uh, last year was a, 
big year for you is on the award side. You won uh, Best yeah. Game Ranger Award last year. That's right, Eric. Yeah, that uh, real privilege, real honor. I mean, really, really honored to have received that award. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of worthy rangers in, in, in Africa um, deserving. So I was really, really um, honored to receive that award. Obviously, it's a team effort, you know, all this is about the team and, you know, like someone said, you know, the dog without the pack and the pack without the dog, same story in the anti-poaching, you know, it's, it's a team effort. Um, every one of our guys critically important. So, yeah, we, we won an award uh, the year prior um, as, as a team and then I won the, the Best Game Ranger Award um, for 2021. So, absolute, absolute honor. That's awesome. I love it. I, I, I tell you what, um, I was messaging with Ted in, in our thing here. I think knowing myself, especially in, in every time I came across a dead rhino, I would be so fueled by anger at that point, like every single time that um, it would probably even cloud my judgment a little bit in, in how I'm working. But I can tell that's probably what... <laughs> fuels you and your guys to keep pushing into the danger and everything you do every time you find one of those. Absolutely, Eric. I mean, that's, that's a very good point. We, we, you know, I think for a, for a true law enforcement officer, one of the biggest things that drives me is, is to see a criminal come down and get dealt with. That's what, that's what pushes me out there every day. I, I love wildlife and conservation. But when, when I see a crime committed like that, I can't, you know, we always pledge when we see a dead rhino, we pledge that we are going to bring, we are going to bring these guys to justice. We're going to bring them to book. And some of these cases, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. You, you, we get to know these rhino, we, they're named, they have national IDs, they're critically endangered. And we have one of the largest populations in, in Africa. One, we, we're one of nine key stronghold populations. Um, but yeah, you, you, you take a loss, everyone, everyone gets depressed, but you can't stay depressed. You've got to, it's that, it's that military principle, improvise, adapt, overcome. You've got to focus on the living and we've got a positive growth rate chain in the conservancy um, through the efforts over the years. We, we've, we've got a, a good positive growth rate, but absolutely that's what fuels us, you know, um, to see these criminals brought to book and to see the, see the rhino roaming peacefully, to know that you've taken out a criminal gang that were responsible for the killings of, of rhino, and to know that rhino can now peacefully breed in that, in that particular area. That, that's what really drives us gang to gang, um, know that we're making a real positive difference. Yeah, um, I, I, I can I, imagine. Uh, how, <clears throat> if, if they don't get... If nothing come, becomes uh, to the rhino, no shooting, nothing like that, how old will they live? So rhino will live between between 30 and 50 years old. Um, so yeah, 30 to 50, yeah. And they they really, you know, if, they, if, they, if they're well protected and they're living peacefully, they'll breed, they'll have a calf every three years. Um, and so they'll, they'll really breed well. Um, and of course, it's a snowball effect. So the whole idea is as we protect the rhino, 
and the population grows like it's doing now we, we're getting it's becoming more exponential the growth so now now you can handle a few losses not that you tolerate it but a few losses you can handle because you're out breeding so it's a matter of keeping the gangs in check and that's why the efforts we're making on the ground are so critical the canine units uh, and the team effort on the ground is we, we're managing to hold the tide back by the time for the rhino so they can breed and and you know there's no reason we can't keep doing what we're doing it's just the support we need we just need you know continue to su support so we can grow as the population grows and and there's no reason we can't we, you know we can't keep doing it and keep winning and then the plan is take parent stock we were actually involved last year we moved a couple of rhino we contributed because of the success here we contributed some rhino to an area south of us called gunner where they've put a parent stock of rhino into there starting up a new model there fantastic uh, operation to be part of and to contribute to and that's the whole purpose read out more put them into other areas in the country help develop similar models um yeah all for the country all for the world at large yeah that's <clears throat> people don't understand you're doing it for uh not just zimbabwe but africa and then the world at large and um definitely that's doing very very important work so um when you guys see this check the show notes we'll have the uh links in there for the uh, PayPal and ways to um, help these guys out. Consider it, please. If you're a, if you're looking at a charity to donate to, you love animals and you want to help these guys out, um, please feel free to check them out and um, get on board there and, and see what you can, you can do for them. Cause <clears throat> I'm imagining nine years for poaching in an African Zimbabwe prison probably sucks. So we want these guys to, <laughs> suck yeah. as much as possible as long as possible and as many of them as we can uh, but we need guys like bryce and his team fully funded and, and operational um bryce really really happy you're able to meet up with us i know it's right in the middle uh what, what is it nighttime there where, where are we at yes it's not time 7 30 p.m in, in the in the night yeah so early early night is it uh wednesday or tuesday there it is. It is Tuesday. Nice. Tuesday okay. the twelfth. <laughs> not as bad as I thought. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not the other direction. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. So, what day is it? We're, we're, yeah. I don't know. We've had some Australians on, and they're like, dude, we're like way ahead of you. We already know the news. What happened? So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Ted, Ted, where but, can you uh, be found? Uh, I'm at Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. Uh, working underscore dog underscore radio. Uh, for the podcast HRD Police Canine, uh, and uh, yeah, oh, and Torchlight Canine and Torchlight Pets. Um, we just got a bunch of new pets in, which all they're all up on there. I got a pit bull in that is just, uh, it's going to be interesting. So by the time we record our next episode, maybe I'll have an update. But this, if I'll put it this way: it took three of us to get him into the kennel. Yeah, you're gonna go like this next time look everything was great yeah four fingers yeah don't get yeah. your thumb though you gotta have a thumb no nah, it sets those, us apart i wear those gloves man like yeah. I, i'm not getting in there with him so yeah other than that uh where about you where are you at uh van s canine on instagram van s canine academy on facebook we have uh workingdogradio.com you can get all our merch on there get on there please take a look at that stuff um and we have a Working Dog Radio uh, page on Patreon if you want 
some exclusive stuff on there. Uh, check it out. Check Ted and us out. Um, Bryce, I'm glad Lauren worked this out for us. This is a great episode, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Eric, yeah, thank, thank you very much. And Ted, yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. I, yeah, I was looking forward to chatting to you guys, chatting dogs. Um, we're passionate about it. It's phenomenal. We, we believe it's the way forward into the future. I mean, you know, the fact that all this anti-tracking and that they can't outwit us now with the canines, phenomenal stuff. Got to get you guys out here one day to to oh, come yeah. track with us and come see how we do it and and Hell come yeah. and uh, uh, you know nice to glean off a lot of your experience too with handling and all that kind of thing. Um, be phenomenal. But I'm gonna need about a year to get really my uh, distance up to speed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be cool. like a stretch. Yeah. So, all right, guys, thank you very much. Great episode. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.